Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. And we think about Vacation Bible School, we typically focus our thoughts primarily on children. You, you think of most of the decorations and things for Vacation Bible School, materials that very often uh, laid out for children. You know, most of you do, that the beginning of this year, Tyra and I handed out in a little you know, yearly preview thing all of our sermon titles for 2017. It's kind of an ambitious plan, but so far we may have changed a title here or there. We may have had to change a week here or there because of sickness or something. We have stuck with that plan all the way through. And this was the sermon that was planned for today, hoping it would be either on the day of vacation Bible school or very near to it, and it just happened to fall that way to where we're thinking this morning about a text where Jesus interacts with children as we think about Vacation Bible School. If you turn back to Luke chapter 18, you, you have the text there before you in verses 15 through 17. And in that text, we see some things that Jesus does with children and then how Jesus sort of utilizes the children that were there in his presence to make a very important point, a point of application or an illustration, you would think of it that way. But in doing that, Jesus really helps us see what we should consider when we think of children. When we see and interact and and think of children, there's something there. And you know as well as I do how often Jesus used something from everyday life to teach a lesson. We think of all those parables, right? The parable of the sower and all those sorts of things where something those people knew. And so then any time either they engaged in an activity or they saw someone else engage in that activity, they couldn't help but somewhere in the back of their mind be reminded of, of that picture or that lesson, that illustration. And so when Jesus brilliantly uses children as an illustration, He uses something that everybody sees, everyone interacts with. And so it should cause in the back of our mind us to think about some things when we think of children each and every day. But before we get to those words, let's remind ourselves of, of what kind of set up the words. You recall, as we read a few moments ago, as Brighton read so well for us, in Luke 18 and verse 15, we're simply told that people were bringing children to Jesus. But the way Luke records it for us is that even infants were brought to him that he might touch them. That's an interesting way of wording it. Even infants were brought to him. Some suggest that because you have touching here, Jesus touching these children, that maybe this was for healing. That's possible. But the way that's worded, even infants, just intrigues me. And it may be to point out to us something that happened in the culture back then that was very common, not just Jesus, but you see, a lot of people would bring children, especially those on their first birthday, would bring them to famous rabbis, teachers, to be blessed by them. And usually that was done by 
touching them, laying a hand on them. Not, not to impart some kind of miraculous thing, but just to bless them in the name of God, if you want to think of it that way. And when the way, the way Luke writes that, even infants, that may be what he has in mind. That these parents were bringing children, even infants, to receive a blessing from this great rabbi, this great teacher, Jesus. But whichever way it is, whether it was for healing or whether it was for a blessing, there's something that goes on here. That shows us some powerful things about children. The disciples, of course, you recall, rebuke them for, for bringing these children. I, I kind of like that because I can see myself doing that. There, there are some scholars, of course, as you can guess, who disagree about this rebuke. Some suggest it's sinful, that they just absolutely sinned and did something very wrong in rebuking these parents for, for bringing the children. Others suggest that maybe more likely what's happening here is that these disciples didn't necessarily sin, but they were trying to keep Jesus on some sort of schedule, and these children got in the way and slowed things down, kept things from happening the way they should have been happening. And it wasn't necessarily sinful, but they were only thinking about kind of the here and now, the pressing matters. Whichever way it was, Jesus pushes away that rebuke, and he helps us see some things about children. I want us to notice three this morning. First of all, I want us to notice the fact that children are welcomed by Jesus. I love that the first words out of Jesus' mouth are not the illustration. He could have very simply said, these children are like the kingdom of God, or like those, that's not how he started, is it? He started by reminding these people that children are special to him, are welcomed by him. Do not hinder these children. Suffer the little children, the old King James has, to come unto me, and do not hinder them. I love that. How often have you seen words like that, maybe painted on a wall of a Bible school classroom or used as a bulletin board or something, to remind those children that there is something special about coming to Jesus, and Jesus welcomes those children. And the simple fact that Jesus welcomed children reminds us of a few things. I think it reminds us, first of all, that anyone and everyone receives a blessing by being in the presence of Christ. In that culture... Children were not the lowest on the social rung, but they were, as you sometimes have heard the phrase before, to be seen but not heard. They were just kind of there. Children were raised, usually, to just kind of learn the family business, learn the family trade, but as they were children, they just were kind of there. It's not that they weren't loved, weren't cared for, but they weren't really special in the way that we sometimes think of children as special. But Jesus took the time to welcome them and to give them a blessing. It should remind us that no matter where somebody is on the social structure, they can receive a blessing by being with Christ. In fact, they do receive a blessing when they are with Christ. But I think it also reminds us that we need to bring children to Jesus. Now, I don't mean by that that children are in need of salvation. We'll get to that in a few moments and talk about that in in a little while. But what I simply mean is, It is never too early to bring children to learn about Christ and to know about His Word and to to find that blessing that we know from Christ. Parents, may I encourage all of us, it is never too early to begin in the home teaching your children that Jesus loves them and what the Bible is. It's never too early to bring children to Bible. I'm so thankful for those who teach our crater roll classes, our two and three class, that, that age, those ages. I love that, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of free time because 45 minutes is a long time in those classes, okay? But I'm thankful that in those classes, they teach their children that Jesus loves them. And we pat the Bible, we don't throw the Bible. And that God made me. 
It's never too early to bring children to Jesus, to help them to learn about Him. And it also reminds us in the third place that Jesus loves children. We sang the song a little while ago, and some, some people think, oh, that's not a worship song. Oh, it absolutely is. That is absolutely a worship song. I don't care if you're two or a hundred and two. Jesus loves me. And the Bible tells me that. Children need to be taught at the earliest age that they are special to Christ. There is something so tender in this picture that you see in Luke chapter 18. Think about the fact that this is the one through whom all creation came into being. We've quoted these verses a lot lately because they, they illustrate so many things. But you remember how the Gospel of John begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Bible goes on to say that all things were made through Him. There's something tender about the fact that here you have the one through which all creation came into being, holding and blessing little children. Jesus loves them. And I think one of the major takeaways of this text, we, we, we want to run to the harder parts about the kingdom, but we need to take away from this text that Jesus welcomed children. And so we need to as well. We need to be welcoming to children. It's not to say that children run everything. It's not to say that we should be child-centric all the time. Children, it, It's not love to let children have their way all the time. That's not love. Children aren't ready to understand what it means to be leading in certain ways and, and, and going certain directions. But it does mean we welcome children and we accept that there are some immature things, but that Jesus still loves them. I think in the second place we can take away from this text that Jesus tells them that ju- children represent the kingdom. I think it had to be somewhat surprising to those who were listening to Jesus on that day when he then turned these, these children into an illustration and he said the words, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. I sometimes wonder if some of those standing there on the day kind of went, do what? Did, did I just hear what I think I heard? That he, he's saying that I have to be like a kid, like a child to, to inherit the kingdom of God? Now, Jesus was not saying only children will be in the kingdom, but that's why he uses terms like of such or like these are in the children of God or in the kingdom of heaven, I should say. But Jesus is making it clear that there is something about these children that represent the kingdom. But here comes my plea for it seems like every sermon lately. Look at the context. Did you notice that the very first word of verse 15 is the word now? Did you notice that little word? What had just happened? Well, if you glance back up in your Bibles, you're going to notice that Jesus had just finished telling the parable, the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee who went to the temple to pray. And you remember the the, the Pharisee was the one who thought that God was really lucky to have him on his team because I do everything right. I don't do anything that's wrong. I'm better than anybody else. And so I'm, I'm all good and fine. And the tax collector was the one who wouldn't even look up to heaven. You remember he beat his breast. We studied this text in the beginning of the year. And he, he, he beat his breast and prayed that real short but powerful prayer, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And what did Jesus say at the end of that parable in verse 14? He said this one, meaning the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee. And he talks about the one who is a base shall be exalted and so on and so forth. At the end of that verse, the one who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It seems the way this is worded that Jesus either was holding these children as he told that parable or more likely he had just finished telling that parable and now some children are brought in. He blesses them. But whichever way it is, 
that parable, that story, had to be ringing in the ears of those who were hearing this at that time. Could it not be that what Jesus was doing was saying, these children are a whole lot more like that tax collector than they are like the Pharisee? That these children have some qualities, some traits that are like him, some humility in things, some dependence that the Pharisee in the parable did not have. The one who thought God sure is just lucky to have him on his side. But either way, Jesus is making it clear that those who belong to the kingdom are like children. Now the question becomes in what way? Now in our third point, in a few moments, we're going to notice some other traits. But I want you to think about two that may have in mind, and they tie together here, of such belong the kingdom. The first is that children are, are usually more accepting of what, what we who are more mature, quote-unquote mature, think are far-fetched concepts. Think about how children react when they hear things like, God parted the waters of the Red Sea. Or the earth at one time was covered in water by a flood. But think about the children in the time of Christ. Here was Jesus welcoming them in. And they would have likely been more understanding, more accepting of, I'm the Son of God, than these parents would have who thought they had it all together. Now, it's not a far-fetched concept because we know the truth. But there has to be within us a sense of wonder. Again, we'll talk about this again in a few moments. But there has to be a sense of wonder and acceptance of some things the world goes, well, that's just far-fetched. I mean, have you ever seen God? Have you ever seen heaven? Have you ever seen hell? You can't believe that stuff. We have to prove everything. Now, folks, most of us in this room have been Christians long enough that we have seen enough proof. But we do understand that we also walk by faith and not by sight. I've never seen heaven. But I know I'm going there. I've never seen Christ. But I place my life and my soul in His hands by faith. But more than that, I think also Jesus might have had in mind the idea that children are innocent. Children are not born sinners. We have a lot of friends in the religious world who want to tell us that we're born sinful. I may have mentioned to you before, Lee and I one time read a, a parenting book, and I won't name the author, he's not a member of the church, but the name's somewhat recognizable. We, we had read a couple of his books, or I had anyway, and I thought, hey, a parenting book by this guy, this will be a wonderful resource for us as parents. And I don't remember, I, I didn't take the time to look, look the thing back up. It's probably a couple of hundred pages. And like the first 70 or 80 pages, Lee is nodding, so I'm right, somewhere in that range of that book, was all about how your kids are born sinful. And how their cries are a sign of that. And so as parents, they, he, he said, we need to understand how we treat these little sinners. When Ezekiel 18 and verse 20 very clearly states, the soul that sins will die, the son will not bear the iniquity or the guilty of the iniquity, depending on the translation you have, of the father, nor the father of the son. Children do not need to be saved Children are safe. They're innocent. They don't have sin in their life yet. They don't understand concepts like disobedience and obedience. They don't understand concepts like dark and light in a spiritual way. We want them to understand those concepts, but they're, they're, too, they're too almost philosophical, if you let me use that terminology, for a child to understand. But then we become adults, we become old enough, and we do understand things like sin, salvation. I, I, I'm not innocent anymore. How can I become like a child? 
And that's why Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me, John 14 and verse 6. Now, you put those couple of concepts together. Children represent, you may choose to illustrate, that's fine, the, the kingdom. How? Because I need to become innocent again. How do I do that? I do that by accepting some things this world says are pretty far-fetched. You're going to put your trust in a guy who died on a cross 2,000 years ago? Really? Absolutely I am, if I want to be innocent. You're going to live your life in such a way that you believe, really, that some people are going to be burning forever in this terrible place, but other people are going to Absolutely I'm going to live my life that way, because I want to be innocent. And so they represent the kingdom to us. But how do we see that lived out? That may be what Jesus has in mind as he comes to what we're calling our third point, verse 17, where he shows us that children serve as examples. Jesus said in verse 17, we must receive the kingdom of God like a child. If we don't, he says, we shall not enter it. Now, the obvious question becomes, what is it about children? Why would Jesus say that we need to receive the kingdom like they would or like they do? There are a lot of ways to answer that question. But I think Jesus would like for us to Look at children, not as our example in all things, but as certain character traits that children have that we should have, but sometimes either we don't have or we just lose over time as we grow and mature, that if we will have these things in our lives, we are more likely to accept what God has placed before us. There's a long list, and my goal this morning is not to give you a long list. I want to give you just four to kind of get the, the thoughts going, and you can add to it later, I'm sure. Let me give you four of those traits. The first is one we've already mentioned in a sense. Children have a sense of wonder. They have a sense of wonder. How often have you not even noticed the rainbow that your kids just stood there and stared at for minute after minute after minute? How often have you not even noticed the sunbeam coming through the window when your kids just were trying to figure out how does that come through the how does that work and how is this little rainbow on the on the carpet on the hardwood floor how does that work i'm not saying we should always just stand in awe of an ant okay but is there not a sense of wonder that we need to have in our lives over the power of god the creation of god and over the things that god has done how often have children put us adults to shame in how they react to the story of the cross when to us it's just another story because we've heard it so many times Parents, let me speak to us again for a moment. Never, and I literally mean the word never, never miss an opportunity. If your children is, child is standing in awe of something in nature, something that is just beautiful, a mountain or a stream or a rainbow, never miss the opportunity to bring God into that picture. You don't have to open the Bible and say, well, all right, let's start in Genesis chapter 1 and read all the way through Revelation and point out, no, no, no. But it's never too early when they look at a rainbow to say, isn't that a beautiful thing that God puts in the sky? Isn't that mountain something spectacular that God could put there for us to enjoy? You see, children have a sense of wonder. And if we tie God to that sense of wonder, we're building a legacy for their life. We need to continue to have that wonder at what God has done and continues to do. But also, children trust. Now, not all children trust all the time. These are generic, okay? But it's interesting that 
children will trust, and sometimes we kind of have to weed a little bit because children will trust nearly anybody. You know, children will trust, and we got to go, wait a minute, you know you trust every single person all the time. But children have a natural inclination to trust those who provide certain things for them. When children have food and, and a place to sleep and, and have clothes on their back, there's a natural tendency that children will trust the person, the situation. They'll begin just to realize that things are going to be okay. Should we not have that as it pertains to God? David could write in the book of Psalms, I have been young and now I'm old and I've never seen his children forsaken nor begging for bread. Never. Do we live our lives that way? The wording of this may be a little bit outdated, but William Barclay was writing a paragraph about children and trust. He wrote these words. He said, when we are young, we never doubt where the next meal is to come from or where our clothes will be found. We go to school, certain that home will be there when we return, and all things ready for our comfort. When we go on a journey, we never doubt that the fare will be paid or that our parents know the way and will take us safely there. The child's trust in his parents is absolute, as ours should be in our Father, who is God. Children trust. And tied to that, we sing the song, Trust and, well, children are obedient. Now you go, wait a minute, (laughs) have you met my kids? I understand, okay, there are times where children disobey, but there is a sense in which children naturally have an inclination to obey those who they trust. When they begin to understand things are going to be okay here, they, they have a natural inclination to want to obey, in part to honor, in part because they want things to still be okay, and their little consciences often hurt them when they don't obey. We're talking about the kingdom. And we have a lot of people in our world who need to be reminded that where there is a kingdom, there is a king. And that king's rules are to be obeyed. Children sometimes have to be corrected. (laughs) But Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us, so do we. Because God chastises or punishes his children. And children don't always understand commands, do they? What's a child's favorite word besides me? Why? Clean your room. Why? Because I said so. Why? Because my vocal cords produce the words, okay? It doesn't make any difference. Why, 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 why? But sometimes we as adults still do that. I don't understand why God won't let us have a piano in worship. It sounds good. It's fantastic. Everybody else does it. I, I, who cares? It's not that big. Who Are we to not stand for the truth of the king when that's what he commands? It's summertime and everybody puts on their bikini and puts pictures on Instagram and Facebook. So why shouldn't I? After all, I've worked, not me, I haven't worked hard for this body, okay? But everybody else has, so why can't I do? Who am I to question that God says to dress in modest apparel? No matter what the culture says, he's the king. And like children, we need to trust and we need to obey. But also like children, children are willing to forgive. How often have you seen kids who are about to start the third world war over a Lego or a game of tag? I mean, it is, you would think 
that there's going to be something bad about to go on. And I mean, somebody's crying home to mama, and somebody's getting ready to beat somebody up out behind the house, and there's crying, there's screaming, there's hollering, and there's you did this, and you... And four and a half minutes later, they're best friends. How does that work? And why do we adults lose it? Where's it go? Should we not be more like children? Ready to, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask Chrissy to do this. She usually puts together the, the PowerPoints for the announcements or the, um, the things between songs and that sort of thing. Did you notice the slide was up? I think it was during the prayer. It was the verse, the, the verse that be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That just happened to be up there. So that was a total coincidence. Are we ready to forgive? Like children stand ready to forgive. You know, God forgives us so often. And kids forgive their parents quite often. Parents don't want to make mistakes to their kids, but sometimes we do. We forget something or we say something we shouldn't say. But, but the kids understand that we're trying, that we have food there, we have meals there, we love them, we give them things. And so usually they, they, they let it go after a while. They, they, they forgive. We don't have to forgive God, ever. And yet He forgives us over and over and over and over again. So why aren't we ready to forgive others? Now, you know as well as I do, there are many, many other traits we can name. But I think those four are necessary for us if we're to receive the kingdom like children will receive the kingdom. We make certain that we, we still have a wonder of what God has done, and so we trust Him. And so we obey what He says to do. And then because of that, we understand that everyone else is also part of God's creation, and we stand ready to forgive. And Jesus then ends that very short section, just three verses, really just two verses of what He said, with a statement that if we do not receive that kingdom like children, we will never enter it. If we don't receive it, interesting word. If we're like that hardened Pharisee in the parable, we may look like we're religious, but the kingdom is not for us. If we're humble, and we know we can't do everything ourselves, but instead we rely on God like the tax collector in the parable and like these children, then we, like children, can receive that gift. Salvation is a gift. Romans 6.23 tells us that. But a gift must be received. And here Jesus says we're receiving a, a kingdom. It's interesting terminology. Because later in His ministry, Jesus would make it clear, or I should say earlier in His ministry, Jesus had made it clear that the kingdom is the church. Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18, On this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. The book of Ephesians makes that very clear as well. The kingdom and the church, the same thing. The book of Colossians makes it clear as well. The kingdom and the church, the same thing. So when Jesus is talking about receiving this kingdom like children, He's also saying, I to be in the church. I need to ask myself, am I willing to receive that gift of being in the kingdom being in the church, like a child would. Not coming up with every excuse as to why I shouldn't or don't need to, or, or not coming up with every excuse in the book. Every, oh, let me think of all of my logical reasons. No, no. I stand in awe of a God who could do something like part a sea, send a flood, make the sun stand still. Deliver a man out of a den of lions. I stand in awe of a God who can do those sorts of things. 
I stand in awe of a God who through providence can somehow provide things like weather and cycles and things so that I have food to eat. And I have clothes on my back and I have air in my lungs and water to drink. I don't know how all that works. I just know it does. And I stand in awe of a God like that. And so because of that, I'm going to trust Him with more than just the physical. I'm going to trust Him with my soul. And when I do, I'm going to obey what He says to do because He knows more and better and greater than I do. Are you willing to do that? We live in a time where a lot of people will tell you the kingdom and the church are two different things. And the Bible says that's just not the case. That they're exactly the same thing. A lot of people say that we're living in, in the kingdom age, or the, the church age now. The kingdom age is yet to come. But the kingdom and the church are the same. Have you received that kingdom? Are you part of that church? It's the same question. And are you willing to rid yourself of all those things that where you think I've got it all together because I'm grown and I'm mature and I'm smart and just say, you know what? I'm ready to become like a child. And just say, God, I trust you enough to forgive me, to take care of me, and to bless me. The same one who talked about the kingdom said that we must believe in him We must repent of sins. We must confess Him as Lord and Savior. And we must be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness for our sins. That's how we enter the kingdom. That's how we enter the church. This is the morning to do that if you've never done it. There's some in this room who haven't. We pray that you will, that we receive it like a child. Oh, we still grow and mature, but you receive it like a child. But maybe this morning as a Christian, maybe you've lost some of those childlike qualities. Maybe you just come to church because you've always come to church. Maybe, maybe you've kind of grown and matured so much that you've kind of thought yourself out of some of the command. I, just, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Oh, yeah, we do. Because the king has said, these are commandments. These are things to be followed. And it's time to return to him in childlike obedience and faith. And let us pray with you to encourage you to ask for forgiveness if, if you're in need of such. And whatever your need is this morning, we pray that you will come as we stand and sing to encourage you.